0: Dogs of Warcry.
1: Dogs of Warcry is a podcast from the Mortal Realms, focusing on Warcry, a fast-paced cinematic skirmish game by Games Workshop. Join us for discussions on gameplay, rules, lore, painting, terrain building, campaigns, and events. Welcome to Dogs of Warcry. This episode, Season 3, Episode 8, we will be discussing Soroth Core, the Silent City, which is the campaign in Tomo Champions 2020, and we'll share our thoughts on how it expands Warcry and the lore, the narrative of the Eight Points. My name is Josh, and answering the call with me this week is Pavin. How are you, sir?
0: I'm great. I'm glad to be back. Uh, we had a, This is the last episode of the season, but I think it's going to be our best episode. I think so. It's got a lot of really good content in
1: this campaign. All sorts of juicy tidbits.
0: I feel like we're also really going to hit our stride this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lots of excitement here. I guess we'll hop right into the Forge of Mythraxus. Yes, please. Josh, tell me how things have been going. What have you been working on? I haven't been working on too much, except
1: for the Warband Challenge. You know, I've been working, busy painting my models up, and which is important. So, but I didn't have anything else exciting to share in that arena. So, Paven,
0: well, tell us. me like how how like how deep are you in the Warband? Are you are you, do, are you doing them one at a time? Are you batching them out? We, give me some more detail than that? Than what you all think. right, all right. I
1: was going to wait for the uh, circle of paint section, but I can do it here. I can do it here. I thought. In this particular case, because uh, when I started the models, I used an airbrush to kind of get the blend on the the capes. So I did that all at once, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Well, I, I did one test model, and I was really happy with how that went." Um, so then I'm I'm batching the rest, all the the same color scheme as my test model, and so far so good. You know, I got all the base coats. Working on some shading and highlighting next, and then I've got to do a little extra details, and then the bases. You know, in terms of what colors I'm going to use for the bases. So but yeah, I'm excited. They're looking good, and I'm, I'm I'm satisfied with the color scheme. So
0: great, great. Yeah. I don't think I think maybe I've seen one picture. Yeah, yeah. But, I put my test model in the Discord, but yeah, so. Okay. Yeah, I guess I'll await with uh, I'll, I'll just await the final result, uh, which I guess is coming up coming up quick.
1: Yeah, <laughs> very sure. Yeah, yeah, it's coming up quickly. All right. All
0: right i will jump into my hobby progress and i didn't have a ton of progress here i've mostly been uh, trying to finish my ogroid uh which i've been which i've been talking about i think this entire season Uh, it's a good model (laughs) it's a great it's a great model and i'm struggling mightily with it yeah um, i think it's because i really want to do it justice I, i the finish line is in sight i think i have like a few more highlights on a few more textures and then the base, which is already like textured and base coated. And he's glued mm-hmm. on there. I just need uh, to, that, that should go really quickly. Uh, some of the things that may take a long time was I repainted uh, a significant portion, portions of the models trying different things out. I think I am uh, medium happy with where I ended, but I just need to stop. Um, I'll, I'll i'll post for feedback once it's all done and maybe some people will have some insight why i'm like that 100 happy with it but like figuring out how to make the skin interesting was mm-hmm. i think tough because there's so much skin yeah. I eventually went three tones so i have like kind of a regular caucasian skin on its underbelly and face i have like a gray skin for its like back or more rough places and then i also have like a Purple tint to that gray skin for its like hands and feet. Okay. Um, I think it's interesting. The purple made all of the other colors look better, but I don't necessarily love the purple. I, was, I think I'm really struggling in color theory hell where I just don't know enough to know why I don't like it. <laughs> um, That's fair. I think, yeah. I think part of the problem is my palette for my Chaos Warband is very uh, earthy. Like it's a lot of whites and grays and browns and tans and I got a little bit of orange for fire and then a little bit of purple. Uh for like for the scions, the fire was on the fire and the purple was on the scales. Right. But fire and scales don't really exist on the Orgroid and that's where all the color was coming from. So I had to figure out a way to get it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think without having that color, all the other things look less interesting. But like white looks super interesting next to other things, but it's super boring. When it's by itself, or not next to a color. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe somebody can tell me how color works, but those are my theories. Uh, but that should be done soon. I also finished my tiny, my my box dwarf living city test model. Uh, yeah. It like gold and red and green, and I don't like the colors, so it's 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 a good test model in that I realize where I don't want to go. <laughs> also, I put it next to. Like current, like this is a, this is a model from like original GW. Yeah. It's not like you the gotta... first set of plastics that, have, that are monopose. It's like the the kits that came out after that, that had like the arms and the leg and the like the different arms and torsos and heads. Okay. Um, and that dwarf is like really small. Like <laughs> he looks like he's like tiny yeah. goblin size. And uh, yeah, it, it makes like he like next to a storm cast. He looks like a baby with a beard. <laughs> and Next to like just human models, like he looks. If you put him next to the smallest scion, like the the, the initiates that don't have shoes on, he looks like oh, that's a dwarf next to a human. But right. if you put him next to like the beasts, he looks you know out of scale. So I yeah I know yeah, and it's making me like get less excited about my living city project because I know all of the dwarves I would use were older. Yeah, but they're not as old as the model I just put together. So I don't know. Uh, it was, It is fun to bash. uh bash yeah, i out got, a model I got real quick. all the, uh, old GW
1: pewter dwarves. Yeah, and they're yeah. entirely different scale. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, it's like it's totally like there's uh, miniature scale inflation. Yeah, definitely. I, it's fine. It's, like overall, it's fine. Like I think it, they get more detail, and the models get better, which is the most important thing. But uh, it does make it weird when you use really old stuff. Uh, old Sorry. Okay. So uh, let me get past that digression. Uh, what else did I do? The only other thing is I just started to redo the white on some of my scions, like repainting the other ones. Um, it was losing uh, the kind of the white I was was like very crisp and bright, and I started to dirty it up uh, because I have, like it just uh, the white was too much, and so I just did some Agrax Earth shade and then like highlighted on top of that, and that like kind of just made it a little more. I think it, it made it better. So nice. I did that on a few. Of them. That was really cool. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind it. Kind of
1: made a yellow tone to it. Very nice. Yeah, at least made some good progress. Yeah, uh, you're.
0: I, I actually don't think I done. Go, go ahead. ahead. I, was saying, I don't actually think I made a good, lot of good progress. I just covered that up with a lot of talking.
1: <laughs> well, I think. Well, you know, you finished your warm-up already, right? So when when I compare myself to your progress so far this season, you're yeah, way ahead.
0: I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm being carried by my earlier efficiency.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that works. <laughs> Yeah, so now I've got get my motivation now that I've got you know the image in mind. So now we're, we're full speed ahead. So that's good. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about our path to glory. And unfortunately, I have not had any games yet. I still need to. Hold my stepson accountable and get yeah, some When in. is uh, when's your Christmas present going to call in? <laughs> Right? Well, my birthday is the Friday. The season is Maybe over. <laughs> the season is over. But I I, I also had considered a couple times doing one of the challenge battles like you did with the Wild Fighters, but I, I haven't been able to get down and do it yet. So I'm definitely excited to hear about what you've been doing the last uh, three weeks.
0: Yeah, sure. I did play another Wild Fighter challenge battle game. And the one I really was excited to try out was the Tide of Chaos. Challenge battle, but I just, but I don't have that many chaos models. Uh, so I just did a tide of destruction challenge battle. So instead of like, uh, never ending the hordes of chaos coming through, it was just, uh, it was just, uh, my, my entire orc army slowly filtering in. Very um, nice. So I'm trying, I'm, try, I'm going to try not to give the play by play here, but overall, the scenario is usually it's two player. I did it one player, and you just try to, you start in the middle of a dungeon board, like your whole war band, and then. Just waves and waves of uh, like enemy wild fighters come through, and wild fighters, you remember, are kind of like uh, table. Uh, their behavior is governed by a dice six table. Like whether they charge or, you know, mostly they just run forward and attack. Uh, and so, yeah. So it starts with it's supposed to start with four groups of 300 points on the table versus your thousand, mm-hmm. um, but I cut it down to three groups just uh, to give myself more of a fighting chance and I didn't change any of the other rules and honestly I would make the war bands pretty big they almost always had uh, more than 300 points per group but we started with three and I actually arranged all of my orc collection on a shelf and I would roll a dice to generate what uh, what group would come in when every turn because new groups come in at every turn and so I'm like a one through one or a two it would be it would be like the old boy boy models uh, yeah so like the Green skin models. I use the rules for, uh, what are they called? Bone splitters, just a regular more boy bone splitters, because yeah. the two hand weapons are very similar. Um, so yeah, those, uh, and then the next group to, uh, to, uh three to four would be ard boys, because I have like 20 ard boys, and so you would, would work through the ard boys. On a five, you get a couple brutes. Brutes would come in, um, and those are, Big, beefy models, and they also, <laughs> uh, you know, they're 200 points each or a little bit or a little less than that. So we'd be way over the 300 point mark. And then on a six, I would roll on my character or hero table, which was, which had six different orc heroes uh, from Mega Boss, Weird Nab, uh, our boy boss, uh, six different heroes. And then I would roll again on the other table, and they would replace one of the fighters there. So you nice. could get like a 500, if you rolled the Mega Boss, you'd get like a really, really dangerous group. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so that's the way I play. It. It's very exciting. Uh, it was exciting for me to set it up. It, it felt very. I was like. I think I was like playing a an analog video game of what it felt like in the end. Right. Um, right. And so the scenario is, you have to laugh. If you have to, you play until all your fighters are dead, um, or you concede, I guess. And if you make it to six turns, you win, and you get the roll on an artifact table. And if, but if you push further than that. You get to add the number of turns to a die six, and you can get up to, I don't know, into the 20s and 30s, you get, like, yeah, different artifacts. I don't know how actually high it goes. Wow. Uh, but, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of like a never-ending. <laughs> this game, it went, uh, spoiler alert, this game took 12 turns. I was playing by myself for, like, a, a, like a two hours. Uh, it really slowed me down when my two-year-old woke up, and uh, <laughs> I had him start rolling dice t- for me to keep it interesting. Um, so i was like managing like both the enemies myself my my little boy trying to they so wouldn't uh, break things and stuff right. uh but it was super fun it was actually really good uh and it was really challenging uh like you can you can really be strategic about it and like really punch above your weight i think i ended up killing like 30 orcs or something uh, oh. over the course of that game uh right. but you're like eventually you just like run out of guys because yeah. they do when they get to you they do hit hard and you're they're rolling a lot of dice against you and there's not a lot you can do to just like that volume of attacks. So uh, broad strokes, like the first six turns was like me in the center of the dungeon board. I don't know if I've said if it was the dungeon board, but it was also an opportunity to play with that newly painted dungeon terrain I had. Yeah. Um, it was me just scrapping it out in the middle, uh, like orcs like streaming in from all directions. Uh, the weird knob came on the table early. He, he murked a guy, but I was able to take him off the board. Oh, I, playing as orcs, it was just like a bucket of wounds. <laughs> like they're slow, which was which really helped me later. But, like, boy, they just have, like, a minimum 15 wounds, like, minimum toughness 4, yeah. often toughness 5. So, but, yeah, I was able to, you know, science had pretty good output. I was able to kill a lot of them. Um, first six turns was mostly, like, me slowly losing ground but holding it in the center. But then, like, around turn six, I was like, I got to get out of here. And my, <laughs> my boss, uh, Krastos, was able to fight his way three as, lo- as well as the 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 wizard the not wizard I don't oh, know okay, that, yeah. Yeah. her name is Aunt the Raya yeah the the yeah the priest the, the fire, fire, priest. fire priest yeah uh, they were able to fight their way through a couple of brutes over a bri- over one of the bridges and then like get to the other side of the bridge uh, with like you know at least uh, ten orcs on the on the on that one side and I was like oh man I have one shot and I uh, ganned off my priest onto the bridge and yeah. she was able to take the bridge out and a bunch of orcs. Um, nice. They fell to their death. And what's good about the bri- uh, but the big bridge is that it is, I think it's like five inches wide, where it's missing. So yep. like a four inch orc can't make it over. Or it's like four inches. It's exactly so if like you have four inch move, you can't make it over the bridge. And so like the orcs had to go the long way. So I got another yep. six turns of my um, of Krastos fighting like in a doorway in the corner of the board. <laughs> uh, but eventually he just gets overrun. With, like, uh, I, I ran out of regular boys, so I started putting arrow boys on the table, and those could, you know, eventually, were like, sneak behind them and start pinging them for damage. And then I was just, like, killing, like, two orcs a turn at the doorway, but yeah. uh, I, I just couldn't, I, you know. They, they were like, I would kill two, and then, like, two more would take their place and get some free attacks, do a little bit of damage, and eventually bring them right. down. <laughs> But yeah, it was great. Took a long, definitely this challenge battle isn't like regular work right time. It's way longer because it's kind of infinite until you die. Um, good, you know, 12 turns probably speaks to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, what, what happened? Well, I certainly rolled on the injury table and, uh, poor one out for Safimos, who was one of my initiates who had already had a crapped rib and a concussion, a permanent concussion. Uh, <laughs> she was, uh, killed by the weird knob. Okay. Uh, so I had to place her, and then yeah, I got oh, I got a uh, I got a new artifact. It's called the Fires of Ra- <laughs> Xranathos, which is a a big mall That's plus one strength. that Awesome. It was
1: great. Yeah, it sounds like it, it was, was an fun. epic battle.
0: <laughs> it was the best I can the best I can do under the circumstances. Yeah, yeah, no, it's pretty good.
1: I <laughs> can't imagine with you know two full war bands and all the armies coming on, you know. Definitely having a GM or something run the the hordes would be helpful, I think, in that particular case.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the wild Fighters actually aren't too bad. I did a couple of things to make things easier for myself is that I always like had the individual battle groups have the same armaments, so I didn't have to look it up. And right. eventually you start to memorize the table when you're rolling the dice enough and it's pretty you can do it pretty quick. Um, gotcha. And then, like, if there's twenty guys on the on the on the table, like just running through this maze to try to get to my one guy, I wasn't even rolling anymore. I was just moving the max distance. Yeah, they were they were getting <laughs> bottled, bottlenecked anyway, because there would just be like these, these crowds of orcs like lining up in this doorway trying to try and get my boss. Take the um, turn. <laughs> <laughs> I want my turn. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, I well, well, got him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, man. That's fun. Hey.
0: I, yeah, I also took a ton of pictures of this whole game. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to commit myself to like typing the whole thing up, right? Uh, but uh, I have them. Maybe it'll be in the Discord at some point. Awesome. Point for the Discord, maybe.
1: Excellent. Yeah, that would be fun to see at least a few of the action shots.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Josh, I'll, I'll give you access at the, at the very least.
1: Awesome. Appreciate it.
0: <laughs> Inspire me. Give, try one of those challenge battles. Oh, I'll, I'll, it's my next section, right? Uh, it's visions of madness. Uh, what's what's coming down the pipe? We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, you want to kick us off?
1: Yeah, no, we got lucky, and uh, GW had his big review, and there were some leaks and things this past week. So, you know, we're recording on the twenty fourth of January. So, all kinds of cool stuff. First thing I'll mention is, you know, they announced today that the pre-orders are up for the Underworlds, Kagras Ravagers. That's the Slaves of Darkness warband for Underworlds. Really cool models. I know a lot of people have been looking forward to that, to, to use for warbands in Warcry. So that's why I thought I'd mention it. Poor Order is finally up for that. Definitely check them out and get that if you want. But the biggest news is, of course, the Warhammer preview, the Dead and the Divine, and some of the other leaks we had earlier in the week. I will start with what i saw first was you know the lumineth realm lords have a bunch of new models coming out the the ones we saw earlier in the week were these kangaroo like creatures with with riders and apparently they're called tree runners and they're the huracan wind chargers so this looks like that this is the the faction of lumineth that are associated with wind spirits so the huracan wind chargers are coming out of the venari lord Regent, which is riding some other cool looking creature there's also Sivareth, the Lord of the Seventh Wind, some sort of fox type spirit with a with a bow, looked amazing. And they had a teaser pic which showed several other models kind of in silhouettes which also looked like there's some sword masters or some other Lumineth realm lord models that they're going to be releasing as this next wave. Just to tie up the realm lords, this all ties into the new Broken Realms book which is coming out called Tekless. Where he's going to be taking the fight to Shaish, to, to you know, kind of uh, have his discussion with Nagash about uh, the whole magic uh, backfiring. I can't yeah. remember the the name at the moment, but uh, Arcanum Optimar. Yes, thank you, yeah. thank you. So yeah, so a lot of really cool models there, and I think this will be, um, of course, the first opportunity we have for all these new models are released. How are they going to incorporate these into Warcry? Are we going to get cards or White Dwarf release? Or, you know, I guess this would be some of the first examples we'll get to see of that. How about you, Paven? What
0: kind of things drew your attention? Well, all that stuff, uh, we, I mean, all of it's really exciting. You know, we're big fans of Age of Sigmar, the game, on this show as well. And yeah. uh, I like all of the games Workshop products, which I think you do as too, uh, Josh. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the Lumina stuff, I'm, I'm shocked and surprised and uh, very excited. It seems like they're getting another army that, like, it's going to be as big as the original release. Yeah. I think we're looking at, it, like, nine more kits or something incredible. So that's 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 really dope. I think everything, a lot of that stuff is going to be playable in Warcry when it comes out. or it's At some point in the future, definitely the Swordmasters are a classic, classic uh, unit. Yeah, um, seeing those reimagined would be very cool and they fit right into our as being like a, a foot trooper. I don't know if we're going to get the giant Cav cal in there it seems like sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. Right. Um, like we have Gore Gruntas and Griff Chargers but not Dracolith Yeah. Uh, yeah. So maybe those guys will come in, maybe they won't. Uh, yeah, it's just really great stuff. We have a uh, other, well, I, I want to talk longer about uh, the biggest the biggest news, uh, but maybe we'll get to that last. Okay.
1: Yeah, we'll get to that last. All right. The other thing they they talked about, of course, the daughters of Cain getting a new battle tome. So it will be interesting to see if they add any new unit types in there, and again, whether they'll have some cards associated with that or not. And uh, there was one model we saw earlier in the week uh, a Soulblight, a Grave Lord. They named it really cool looking vampire lord that was not shown in the preview, so we we don't know if it's associated with Age of Sigmar or one of these other types of releases but but a really cool vampire model and yeah were, no, I
0: think it's definitely an age of sigmar army, yeah because we because yeah. the leak was in a clam pack, like an age of sigmar hero exactly box. so it's got to it's got to be like the new battle zone, but we don't know that much about it right, right. Uh, and then the final thing well, is,
1: is the final something?
0: things. Two yeah, final yeah,
1: they did preview an underworld warband of vampires.
0: Oh, very cool.
1: Crimson Court, four very cool looking vampires, which would make great additions to Warcry. Hopefully, they'll give us some rules for those. If not, you can use them as you know the vampires in your Legion of Nagash Warcry warband. But it would be cool to get a Soul Blight warband option. So, definitely be interested to see how that works out.
0: There's, yes, just, favorite. there's just rules for vampire lords, right?
1: Correct. Yeah,
0: there's
1: two vampire lords on foot and one mounted, yeah, so...
0: Yeah, so they fit in there. Uh, We'll probably... Yeah, I I think with all the new death stuff coming, which we'll talk to in a second, uh, we're going to get card rules for them. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's a great Underworld Warband. Underworld is a great a great uh, resource for, for getting specific miniatures for Warcry and other in Age of Sigmar. Like, yeah. uh, I, li- I like to use them as just really great sculpts of models that already exist in Age of Sigmar. Usually the, the rules for something similar exist, and you can just use them. Like, maybe the... a couple like examples where that doesn't hold is the Snarl Fangs, but you can just use them as Spider Riders. I think that works fine. Um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah uh, I think... I think those are are all dope. Those are all very cool. Yeah, let's talk about Warhammer Quest.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a a huge... Well, some people suspected there was going to be Warhammer Quest, but nobody really knew what and where, whatever. But yeah, that was really exciting. Warhammer Quest, Cursed City. Looked really, really cool. Got a nice little video teaser. They showed us two of the models that are in the box set. There's a website where they have several different icons kind of showing... Different areas of the Cursed City, and then there's a whole bunch that aren't shown yet, so they'll reveal that at some point in time. But lots of teaser art indicating what models are there. Do you want to tell us about the models and what you thought, Paven?
0: Yeah. So we got we got two two models revealed out of this set. We got a witch hunter, formerly of or well vampire hunter, excuse me. A vampire hunter, Jelson Derok, formerly of Order of Azir, but two rock and roll for that order that he got kicked out. <laughs> Um, <laughs> right. this model is incredibly good he's got the classic witch hunter aesthetic got the tall hat, he's got the leathers he's got the stakes, he's got a ton of weapons including a greatsword a rifle, an underslung stake launcher, extra stakes yeah. a hammer for the stakes <laughs> and a broadsword uh, this guy's great armed to the teeth and awesome. then opposing him is one of the I guess bosses uh, for Warhammer Quest, one of the uh, the five, I don't know, are they called the Gravelords? What are they, what are the what is the yeah. website? say? Well, we know there's like six heroes and overlords of Olfenkarn, which is the, the cursed city, the name of the cursed city. And this is Gorslav the Gravekeeper. Um, and this awesome. miniature is also phenomenal. A very uh, Dark Souls vibe uh, to the enemy, like eerie. He has this strange bone headdress that covers the eyes. He's got uh, like fence posts sticking out of his back with skulls on them and a giant spade glaive. Yeah. Um, so, scary. oh, so, so good. And I'm very excited for this game. I think this is going to be the purchase I'm working towards, meaning, I'm working towards painting all the stuff I have and finishing my science project so yeah. I can buy this on launch and start painting it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. And a lot of the, the teaser images, people have been teasing teasing them apart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks like some of the images, it looked like there's maybe some sort of dwarf mechanical type model, uh, some sort of mage. Uh, it looked like yeah. a female knight, perhaps. Mm-hmm. The enemy side, it looked like there were some werewolf type people, perhaps. So yeah. really excited to see what models they uh, they associate with this. And of course, you know, we don't know anything about timing for for any of these materials yet. But yeah, and I certainly hope that they'd come out with rules that we could use in Warcry for them so we don't have to make up tweak rules. It would it would be awesome if they kind of introduced that all together eventually or They got they to. They got
0: yeah. to like the scale fits perfectly like the the like these fit like Warhammer Quest and Warcry fit kind of similar artistic and narrative niches in that they can explore the smaller parts of the realms they don't have to be part of like a huge militarized force it can be like individuals fighting battles and like in more interesting niches right and so like man there's gonna be so many good sculpts that are going to be perfect for a small scale skirmish game yeah exactly (laughs) i got to i think all of these the antagonist forces so the forces of the cursed city um including this gravekeeper are going to fit into a Grave Lord's army, kind of like in Silver Tower, a lot of the forces fit fit into Zeech eventually. Right. Um, yeah, and so I'm really yeah, and I think event yeah, and with a new battle tone, I think those that that army will get uh, specifically Warcry rules, and so I think all of that faction will fit into Warcry Warband as well. And I'm excited uh, since I'm going to buy this box and paint it very very likely. I will finally have a death warband as well. So all the Grand Alliance covered. Yeah, yeah. It's a very exciting project. I don't know. Maybe after the season ends, we can start our Warhammer quest podcast. (laughs) Yeah. We'll talk about a different teaser image every episode. (laughs) It would be really short. (laughs) Oh, no, we'd make it really long. It'd be like (laughs) three hours. (laughs) Terrible radio.
1: (laughs) Uh, I think, of course, it, a lot of people associate it with Mordheim, you know, City of the Damned, Curse City. You know, and it has a lot of that uh, gothic, gritty feel. So I think people are going to be really excited about it, and I'm excited about incorporating it into, you know, Soroth of Core type campaigns. Uh, those models would fit wonderfully in this sort of setting too.
0: Oh or- man, that brings us to. Almost to our victory condition. Almost, yeah. <laughs> Almost.
1: I thought it was the perfect
0: segue, but not, uh, we have another <laughs> not, not
1: quite. another quiet. So we'll take a, a quick jump into our circle of paint category, where we'll talk about our tale of two warbands. And Pavin, I'm going to let you go ahead first and add or talk about anything you'd like to discuss at this point.
0: Sure. I mean, not a ton to add. I mean, I played my one game, and I advanced my... Yeah, my warband got more uh, destiny and more artifacts, and so that was cool. Um, You know, there's not a lot of uh, what is it called? Uh, Path to Glory for my warband. Things are pretty slow at least the battles go. Right. Uh, I kind of my next step, and I think is uh, continuing off an idea I had for next week. I think I'm going to pre-order the Ravengers Warhammer Underworlds Warband, the Chaos Warband, and I'm going to buy a box of empire flagellants just for the bits for the flame bits primarily and I'm going to use those to kit- bash my second half of my signs of the flame nice. and yeah and that's going to be like kind of the finish line I think for this warband at least for the short term because uh, I still have all those spru- those guys on sprues for my second group um, so those guys need to be finished I'm a little nervous that the flagellant stuff will be a little low res but uh, hopefully it'll work out we'll see you know, I'm stretching my conversion muscles, which I don't do a ton of.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. It's a good opportunity to do that, especially. So it's mainly for the flame bits you said. not the Yeah, there's
0: some thing. cool flame. There's some cool like torches. There's uh, there's they have some like some like books. Like right. they're, they're, the the flagons are religious fanatics, and the scions are also religious fanatics. So there might be there's uh, thematic uh, themes between them. And hopefully, like, they're, like, different holy texts can be repurposed to being, like, books about fire mm-hmm. uh, and the chaos gods. Yeah, and so that's that's kind of my plan to go with the next. I have, I think, come up with a warband name that I think is going to stick. And I'm going to call them the Children of Light. Um, because I think uh, that's a weird thing to call a chaos warband. It's creepy. <laughs> uh, but I think it's, like, I... Bad. there's nobody that thinks they're a bad guy right especially right. a religious a small a small religious sect you know <laughs> they're the ones who know that what's up um and so that's why they think that like like the you know fire causes light and like uh light uh, and so they think they are the ones who like not only light is in you know uh, brightness but light is in wisdom and truth and transcendence and so that's what they think they' they're on and in a sense they're right like they like the chaos gods are one of the deepest truths of the warhammer universe and you know we've seen world's end by their hand before and right. so why would this world also end by fire uh and <laughs> and uh so you know they're you know they're certainly damned and they're certainly bad uh but they don't think of themselves that way so, eh? they think of themselves as like a congregation or a, a group of mystics and they probably Take in a lot of folks and have like an open kind of uh, conversion, and um, you know, and they have like uh, outreach. Uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and youth <laughs> pastors and these kind of things. Outreach. Yeah, and, and uh, so that's kind of how I view them. And so that's, that's the name. That's the name I'm sticking with for now.
1: Yeah, I like, I like that. I think it's definitely a good name, especially the association with fire, and like you said, the religious. Fanaticism that they have, yeah, I think that does go well. <laughs> and of course, in in opposition, the Shadowborn, <laughs> the
0: children oh, of yeah. shadow. Yeah, is so,
1: that is that
0: is that a new name, or you've I think you've been talking about that that before? Yeah, okay. yeah that's, just, yeah, that's so you, the same you, name. You, you haven't. hemmed in the hard for eight
1: episodes. No, no, no. I did. You know, I had that one down. You know, fairly soon. It was the paint scheme that I struggled struggling yeah. with. <laughs> But, that, but yeah but that's going well and I, I think you know one of the aspects I was trying to figure out next was the basing mm-hmm. um, I had I had taken one of my, my test model and to, to show Vince at the Warhammer store and just kind of get his input in terms of you know these color combinations look okay to somebody else uh, you know what do you think and he you know I had this overspray of magenta and blues when I did the capes on the bases. And, um, you know, so I told him I still had to do the basing and he said, oh, whoa, I, thought that, I thought that was already here. That's a really cool effect. So I was like, oh, OK, well, maybe I'll kind of run with something like that. So the the basing's kind of got this crackle, sandal, sandy texture. And under a lot of the models, like directly underneath the cape area is this dark magenta color, you know, which, you know, so the capes are kind of a magenta blue and purple and and then fade into a dark black for the shadow. So I think that'll work really well is have this magenta dark colors where the capes are coming out of shadow and then kind of have a uh, lighter tones of earthy materials and in the, in the rest of the base. So it looks like they're coming out of shadow or it's around them. And then, so I was playing around with using uh, you know, a nun oil to make some kind of darker purple areas on the edges where the capes are in like in little tendrils. And I think that's going to look okay. It might be too subtle. I may have to go a little darker with that, but, but definitely a, uh, happy that there's a, a prospect there for coloration on this in the basic scheme that i hadn't thought of initially so
0: that's great are, yeah. i know i know this might be pushing too hard but uh, are you are you gonna go are you what's what's your goal is it the a thousand points warband are you gonna go to overtime what do you, are you gonna add any heroes or mercenaries or a, a big monster right right well unfortunately i don't have any that two order monsters so
1: yeah, definitely not a monster um uh, so for for this particular challenge it'll just be the thousand point warband so okay. i do have additional models i can i can put together to expand the warband and, and you know like Soroth core and so said you can even get up to two thousand points over the course of the whole campaign so you know whether i make that mini yet or not i'm not sure but i'll definitely have a thousand points which will be done uh, and and that'll be exciting. And then at least it'll be yeah. easier to, okay, now I know how to do this. I can, you know, do some more in batches and whatnot to add to that. Um, I hadn't really thought about what heroes, because I'm still trying to figure out how to use the warband effect- effectively itself. But, you know, obviously, some daughters of Cain, uh would ally in really well. And there's a lot of other order factions that, you know, if I needed a, you know, maybe a tougher tank. Model, you know, maybe I could take, you know, one of the cities of Sigmar heroes, you know, a knight or something like that, or you know, so
0: yeah. it kind
1: of makes it, you know, find out what my weaknesses are and try to bring something in to help,
0: you know, couch that. <laughs> does the Iron Scale have Warcry rules? I think it does. The, the Iron, uh, the Iron. Sorry, the um, the Daughters of Cain, uh, oh Medusa character.
1: Yes, yes, uh, I. That's a great question. I can't remember if the Medusa character—I know—I I know you can have the the archers and the the snake ladies in in a warband, but yeah, I, I can't remember if one of them is a character or not. I'll have to check my uh, order tome and find out. That would be cool, though.
0: That model is dope. Yeah, and I think yeah. it has lots of wounds. Um, and I think mm-hmm. you can now you can now buy it separately too.
1: I said, yeah, even those. Um, the Scafborn, the Har- well, Harpy Models. I can't remember what their actual name are. The Kinerai, I think, is. Uh, yeah. maybe. Uh, those are really cool. And th- that would give me some flying mobility, too. So th- I don't think they have a, a character. Maybe they do. But that would be fun to ally in, too. But,
0: you can use the unit champion uh, mm-hmm. in a pitch. Uh, right. Well, not in a pitch. It's, they're all all—they're all heroes. They're all like, kind of brought into the same
1: band. Right. Right. But, yeah, I know that um, Travis, liked using the one of the Daughters of Cain heroes... Uh, quite a bit. She she could give him a buff on damage. I can't remember what, which one he was using, but uh, but yeah, there's some definitely good Daughters of Cain heroes that would ally in well. Depending on my my narrative, you know, because so, they're trying oh, to it, step away from Marathi, so I gotta find oh, some Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and the Medusai or Melusai, Um, whatever, they're, yeah. they're very loyal to Marathi. Right, so that, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, but, so, yeah maybe, you, uh, maybe you have a Stormcast then. Those guys are also real tough. Yep, yep.
1: Or, um, yeah, definitely. Maybe i go with one of those um, Dark Elf assassins. That would fit in, too. That would also be
0: cool. A lot of cool options. Can't wait to see see your uh, your Warband, and I can't wait even less to play and have a rematch.
1: (laughs) Exactly. uh, I know. Get some games in. Get some pictures. Mm -hmm. That'd be good. (laughs) Well, I think at this point we'll take a brief break, and then we'll come back and tackle our victory condition. Season 3 is here, and we're excited to bring you more Dogs of Warcry. We'll be discussing new warbands, the Starter Box Catacombs, our ongoing games and narrative play, and keeping you up to date on our Circle of Paint challenge. Thank you for the encouragement, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Dogs of Warcry. Please share your ideas and feedback with us as we travel the A-Points together. Our victory condition this episode is to discuss the new Soroth Core narrative campaign from Tome of Champions 2020. And to kick that off, Paven is going to share a bit of the narrative with us.
0: All right. Hey, I'm, I'm kicking it off. Okay, so the, this campaign and a, a lot of the events, most of the events and games and rules in Tome of Champions 2020 take place in a new setting called Soroth Core, the Silent City. And to tell you a little bit about this place uh, is um, it's located in the Kardev Ashways, which is in the Bloodwind Coil on the western part, closer to the shamanic realm gate. And uh, it was founded by Azerites in the age of myth. When you walk through it, you see a lot of Azerite architecture. You see a lot of statues uh, about the old pantheon of order and other gods. And after it was founded, sometime after that, a secret fraternity started to spring up and they started to do bad stuff. And <laughs> this is kind of how chaos gets in, and then somehow, in some way, the city falls. And it's interesting, it seems to be in some sort of weird quasi-stasis where like it's obvious that it got corrupted, but it seems like the corruption didn't like go all the way. Like there's there's like a lot of buildings seem like there was They were were starting to be chaosified, but the the project wasn't finished. And some places the city looked like it was abandoned yesterday, even though the city is almost completely empty. And it has like this weird, eerie vibe and nobody seems to be able to conquer it. It doesn't have the same vibe that other chaos cities have. And a lot of people have given up on it over a long time. Like they just have people stop stop bothering. Uh, But the, the Talon Lords of Karngrad have recently... Uh, taking another swing at it. And I think one person started to go and then their kind of rivalries and maneuverings kind of took all of them to try to carve out ownership over the silence. And so now this, this is, this is part, it's called the Karn Guard Claim. And it is a part of the city that's been a, a small section of what was, what used to be the rich quarter, uh, has been taken over by, you know, regular chaos, war bands. The, the current leader and tyrant in charge is Lord Harkoth, who is uh, Lord's overcastle Blackspear. Uh, but they, they they only have a really small section, and the like, the atmosphere of the city is very oppressive, even to chaos. Like, there's this weird, eerie theme and feeling around Soroth Korra that makes it, like, unnerving even to the worshipers of chaos, which is usually the worst, uh, the worst folks in town. Um <laughs> And so we, there's a little bits and pieces left throughout the, the entire Tome of Champions. They talk about different landmarks, including the River Scourge, uh, which runs through the middle of the city, uh, the Heart of Silence, which is the tower at the center of the city, which holds a giant eight-pointed star in it that was that was erected by the Worshippers of Chaos, uh, Nothal Hor, which is an industrial section of the city where all the foundries and laboratories and places of artists to which was actually built on top of geothermal power uh, mm-hmm. so it's got it's got a volcano under it like uh so you can go to like a volcano area um, there's also the dell which is which like is a chasm uh, right? yeah it's like underneath the volcano part if you go even deeper if you can survive that far it's like a pit of blackness that kind of drives people crazy. And some people, they get there and they just throw themselves in. Most people that go looking for it don't come back with this kind of blackness. They don't know what it is, but likely I suspect like the intellect in charge of the silent cities is is, is down there, um, which is separate from the gods, mm-hmm. uh, interesting enough. So it like, it's a huge place, a lot of place for, a lot of room for stories. A lot. Of, it's got a great kind of gothic vibe to it, a great, it's a, Scary in that it's unknown. Like I think we know so much about the chaos gods that they're less scary because we just know them so well. I'm like, oh, that one's going to change you into an eyeball mass. That one's just going to cut <laughs> off your head. Um, all horrible, but we, but we know what's coming. We, you don't know what's going to come with Saurfang. You don't know who's in charge.
1: Right. Um, and I so that. Br-
0: go ahead.
1: I was going to say I think that's one of the more intriguing aspects of the narrative, it, and and it, we kind of had a, a touch on this in the Shade Spire book. Where they look up, you know, in this, you know, in the nether realm, they look up and they say, oh, yeah, there are are forces in the void that, you know, that are malevolent and and you need to be fearful of. And and here's another case where there's something, you know, in this void beneath the city that's from beyond. And it's, you know, frightening because it's unknown, like you said. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This is definitely another nod in that direction. And they talk about the things between the realms and the void specifically kind of holding sway here. Whatever that is, we don't get a lot of detail. In the book, also, there's a short story called Silence, which goes into specifically one Spire Tyrant's journey uh, uh, through Kor and like what he experiences. And they use this as a way to reveal a little bit more of the history and like what, what happened. Um, so the short of it is, uh, as we discussed, it was a, a city of order and it was a very um, religious city, where there was a worship of many gods and even thousands, like not just the pantheon, over thousands of gods. I think it was kind of a melting pot of different different groups going on uh, metaphysical religious journeys, trying to un- uncover like the truth. Um, the truth of the of the world of the mortal realms, like kind of a place of philosophy and 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 religion and science, and so this is, but that was their path to damnation because eventually they, on their quest to find gods, quote unquote, worthy of worship, uh, they started with thousands and then they settled on the four. And these are the right. four chaos gods, and you know, and they eventually broke off into factions and they war upon themselves uh, as the chaos gods do, and so that tore the city apart, but. While they were doing this, there was a blackness growing below. I think that blackness grew in power until it, I think smothered everything. You can think like the fire of chaos being like what is destroying the city. It like eventually gets snuffed out, and that's why Core lives in this kind of twilight of uh, yeah. purgatorial silence. There yeah. you go. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, and so that that's where the campaign takes place. Uh, so I, I don't know, Josh. You have anything you want to add there? Yeah, no, I think
1: uh, the, the story of the silence is really interesting because he introduces us to this character called the Sage. He's apparently uh, a, used to be a person and has been kept alive for a very long time. We don't really get told how long, but he, he alludes to the fact that he thinks the city is keeping him alive to observe and to, to document the passage of time and what happens in the city and to try to warn people off but uh, but he's unsuccessful because people keep coming. So, <laughs> so but yeah, the story is really interesting because it talks about how the city hungers for souls and for people, and how the chaos gods have less power in this particular area, and that it, that the city will change, you know, the its its streets and, and buildings and things to to mess with people, but it also change individuals into a shape that it thinks is best. Or for its amusement, you know. So it's a sentient critter, the city, uh, which is intentionally drawing people to play with or to devour, and you know, you really aren't sure what or all. Super cool setting.
0: Yeah. Okay. How do we play games here, Trash?
1: Yes, games. So I think the the campaign is a really interesting setup. Um. So and I, I kind of like how they've done it. Um. Instead of having a narrative campaign where you have up to 10, 11 points along your campaign path and you have convergences along that path. In this particular campaign, they kind of break it up into three phases and then, you know, you're you're declaring the winner. And the way they have the phases, they essentially say, well, each phase should be roughly a month, but, you know, adjust that based on how many people you have and how often you can play. But in phase one, your, your warband has arrived to this city and you're battling in the outer parts of the city. And so for the first three weeks, you play as many games as you want. And then in the fourth week or the last part of that phase, you play the convergence battle. And each phase has its own convergence battle with unique abilities that you can use, with certain scenarios and setups. But every other game you play in the three weeks prior to that could be anything you want, which I think is really cool. So, um, and, and it's it's narrative in the sense that your warband is coming from the outside and you're trying to capture the heart of silence, the the center of the city. And so, in phase one, you battle for the outer city. In phase two, you're battling in the Noroth Hor in the western part of the city, and uh, you know, getting the industrial might and, and delving deeper. And then in phase three, you're kind of getting to the center of the city and you're battling for the heart of silence itself. And at the end of that campaign. A winner is decided, and we'll we'll kind of touch on all of that. And then the final convergence battle, uh, you know, helps add additional points to to your total to determine the overall winner. So a really neat idea where, you know, you can visually see, yeah, the warbands are moving in. It's almost like a map-based campaign, but you've got these three sections, but you're not really having to capture specific territories. But there are unique territories to this campaign setting. I think what's really cool is in each phase There's certain types of territories that you can dominate. So it changes for each phase. And on top of that, you can have up to five territories for the first phase, up to 10 for the second phase, and up to 15 for the third phase. So, you know, you really can play as many games as you want, dominate territories. And some other unique factors is you can upgrade your territories. And each of those upgrades will do something unique to that specific territory. In phase one, for example, you're you're fighting for some generic areas, and an upgrade might give you three glory points right off the bat. You know that you get right away. Uh, other ones kind of give you a concurrent, ongoing effect for every time the game. You know you play a game, you get something unique, and uh, some of the territories give you a one-time benefit of an artifact. What's uh, interesting about this is since you can have so many territories, when you play a game, the winner. If they win by three or more glory points, you know, the difference between the winner and the loser, they can actually automatically dominate a territory. So you don't even have to have 10 glory points to dominate a territory. If you win your game by three or more glory points, you can either take the loser's territory if they have one or just roll on the table to get a new one. And uh, I think that particular aspect allows you to get unique upgraded territories or upgrade them. And, you know, if you win the game, you could steal somebody else's upgraded territory that you may not be able to get because you're in the second phase of the game. So I think that adds a lot of flexibility in terms of narrative element where oh, I'm fighting this war band in this part of the city. And, yeah, this territory is mine now. So I definitely think that was something I wasn't expecting. And it's a really interesting twist But I'm glad that they put a a buffer in there that you have to beat them by at least three before you get that option.
0: Yeah. And if you look at the glory rules, I just double checked it. You have to, you get two for winning. So you have to like win by two and do one more thing that they didn't do. Like kill a leader, wipe out a third or half or two thirds of their warband where they didn't. And so that's how you get that three glory point win. Well, you have to have a difference of three. So, I mean,
1: if my if the if the loser got three victory points or glory points, you would have to have eight somehow. So that that's why I think it's unique is you have to have at least a difference of th- three or more than the loser had.
0: Yeah, that's, I was, maybe I wasn't doing the math right or, or wasn't explaining myself up. But you get like the difference is already automatically two because you win the battle and they don't win right. the battle, and you get two right. for that, and then you have to do one more on top of that. That uh, oh, I each, see what you're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, on top of the just for. for on top of the glory points you get for just playing the game, right? I got you.
0: The so solid victory, I guess is what you need. Right, right.
1: <laughs> so, lots of unique opportunity here. As I said, you know, in a previous previously in this podcast that you can it says in the book you can have up to 2000 points potentially with all these dominated territories and getting 50 points for each one.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: could have some really big warbands on the table when you get to the third phase.
0: Yeah. If you have a maximum number of territories, you're getting about, uh, 1,750. Yeah, um, and then you can spend, you know, that additional 300 if, uh, or that additional 100. And then there's a couple of territories that give you more than 50. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think you, yeah, you certainly can get, you know, with some, with some, uh, good situations you can get up that 2000. Oh, I wonder how a 2000 point game of Warcry I will play. Um, <laughs> yeah Yeah. it's gonna be quite a yeah but yeah it seems super fun it's definitely like a very crunchy and feels more like classical warhammer campaign like not quite map but there is territories and we are exchanging territories so we don't need to like keep track of the map right and they're unique too because you can
1: upgrade them and then so oh i might have the same territory as you but yours is upgraded i want that one instead you know so it definitely adds an, an interesting element to Maybe yeah, like playing a, certain people to try and get that territory. Yeah, like
0: a geography of it for sure. And if right. they're like, if you're winning a lot of games, you're going to hit that five territory cap probably pretty quickly. Right. Yeah, and, I don't uh, know. Are there, do we want to talk Are there any territories you thought were particularly cool? Um, There are. Let me get my book open here. In phase
1: two in the Nothar or area. There's a, one of the places in the city is called the gore pit and apparently there are gladiatorial arenas constructed to appease the blood hunger of the city's inhabitants with many traps and death devices concealed within they would make fine training grounds so i thought it was a really neat flavorful and kind of tells you another place of the city that's interesting and you can spend five glory points to upgrade it to training grounds when you get to add one to the value of abilities used by fighters in your warbands to a maximum of six so a lot of really cool stuff there um you know, the Phase 3 has got some really interesting ones, but I'll let you choose uh, an example that you you enjoyed.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to choose Entrance to the Deep Dark. Oh, yeah. The, uh, flavor Texts, there may be secrets to discover in this euthonic Warren of Tuttles, provided you return. And the way you upgrade this one is a little different. You don't play Glory, but you pick a fighter to send down there. And you're like, hey, you know, Jabroni, like, go, go check it out. And then you roll a die six. And on 1 to 3, the attempt fails, and the fighter is immediately removed from your warband as if they were slain. So they die down there. Yeah. And we're playing yeah. Trial of Champions for this. So they're they're gone. You have to buy a new one. Right. Uh, but on a 4+, plus, the territory is upgraded, and you immediately receive an Artifact of Power. And uh, if it gets stolen away from you after pa- after that, they, the the winner doesn't get the Artifact of Power, and you can't upgrade it anymore. So there's only right. one down there. Um, yeah. So that's super high-risk, high-reward. Yeah, go down there go down there and
1: look around. <laughs> yeah, fifty fifty yeah. chance. Let's see 50, what 50, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that was uh, definitely very flavorful. <laughs> As you alluded to in the aftermath sequence, um a lot of it's similar to the normal Warcry game, but this campaign uses the Trial of Champions rules for everything. So in terms of, you know, you've got a thousand You've got to pay for any replacements. You've got to roll on the injury table, and of course you roll on the associated artifact. Uh, well, you don't roll on artifact tables because you only get artifacts and command traits at the convergences. So you don't. Mm-hmm. But uh, or the, there's I'm a sorry, couple you know, of yeah, other ways to get yeah, artifacts. But yeah, you like still in, get the, yeah. the basic lesser artifacts, you still roll for those on the on the tables. Yeah, but the, but, uh, so, but it's nice that they incorporated trial of champions right away. You know, including the the new addition to those special trial champion rewards and you roll a double, so that's, that's pretty fun. cool.
0: Yeah, it's a good way of saying this campaign is only for big boys and, and big girls.
1: <laughs> right, right. It's a more detailed, you know, more yeah. uh, bookkeeping, you know, it's got a special warband sheet that you you can use to kind of keep track of your territories and everything else. So mm-hmm. definitely a little bit more crunchy, like you said, you know, than, than the standard campaign, which is cool. For sure kind of touching on that we'll go into the convergences. So as we kind of described this is not your typical campaign where you only have three convergences. This entire, you know, I think you typically have three any three or four anyway. But here you you last week in each phase you play a convergence game. And it's interesting because at the beginning of that week players are ranked, you know, by the the GM or you know whoever is helping kind of moderate everything. And uh, so the two two players with the most dominated territories will will fight each other. And then it kind of goes down from that. So it's kind of uh, everybody's matching up with the strongest warbands fight each other, which is nice. There are tiebreakers for the upgraded territories and then unspent glory. And then after all the pairing is worked out, you you play your game. And then whoever wins that convergence, the the reward and the Mm -hmm. command trait artifacts, everybody gets a command trait and an artifact. Or and yep. or artifact, but um, but yeah, but the winner would get the the benefit, the, the special artifact would tied to that particular, particular convergence.
0: Well, yeah, um, the uh, sorry to to clarify, yeah, yeah. You, you everybody plays the same scenario, which is really cool, and these are kind of like narrative battles, and they almost always come with special ab- battle plan abilities that have to do with where the story is. Um, and then I think it's got a great, as you talked about, a great matchup system where the the best people play against each other, so I think you're gonna get the best games. Mm-hmm. And then the winner, so everybody, after the battle, everybody gets an artifact of power, and then the second one, everybody gets a command trait. So you're always getting stuff, no matter winner or lose. Right. Um, but the winner gets a special territory that they get to dominate. So they automatically just get another territory right when, you know, the new territories open up. So right after the Convergence game, you get access to, to dominate ten or five more, five new ones. And so you get the... So, like, for example, on the first one, you get the bridge over the scourge, which, mm-hmm. once it's upgraded, you earn an additional die three glory points to start of each year of after which is which is very good.
1: Um, yep. And, and uh, just to clarify, it does say the player who won this battle can dominate the following area of territory. And I was reading that as this is now an available option for you to dominate instead of rolling on the table. You don't automatically mm-hmm. get it. I think you'd have to spend Oh, the,
0: you still got to spend the ten.
1: Or or beat somebody by three and then and then be able to pick it kind of thing, but you know I guess we'll wait and see if a fact oh, okay. comes out no, like I think that. you're
0: right. I don't think they get it for free. That might might be too much. But yeah, it's a very good one that they can dominate if they have the you know if they already have ten glory saved up or they hit that ten from that battle. then right. They would have to spend it. I think that makes a lot of sense. And then it keeps. It's a little bit. If you get a free one, maybe it's too much of the rich getting richer. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: But, but it's like a unique place that you can only get based on this particular convergence, which is cool. It's like that one, you're controlling the bridge that crosses the river. So, you know, you get some tactical uh, advantages that way. Yeah. The, the other interesting thing about the convergence is you don't break up your warband into the dagger hammer shield, but you put them in groups, uh, you know, one, two or three. And then based on that, when the deployment comes up, you decide where you're going to put one, two, or three. And then during the course of the game, when you deploy, you reveal which which group is in one, which group is two. So it's almost like a blind uh, deployment scenario where it's like, okay, I know he's got three different groups. I don't know which ones are where yet. You know, I don't know which mm-hmm. one's one, which ones are two. So I think that's really unique and uh, kind of a fun way to not be able to plan exactly like, you know, to oppose your, an opponent or their particular battle group. And they do state that you have to roll for the artifact of power and command traits. You cannot choose like you can sometimes in the dang right. You're dang right. You're dang right. Roll on that table. That's right. Um, did you have any particular favorite artifact of powers or command traits you saw for those convergence battles?
0: Um I didn't I haven't picked one out ahead of time. So if you have one, please please go first. I
1: will do that. Uh, there's one that speaks to my particular warband called the Penumbral Familiar. On occasion, a strange shadow figure can be seen creeping along the walls after this warrior. More than one foe has been suddenly smothered by this gloom cast apparition. Once per battle, at the end of the bearer's activation, pick a visible enemy fighter within one inch of the bearer, allocate d6 damage points to that fighter. So, that just uh, the thought of my canine shadow stalkers having a Penumbral Familiar sounded perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but there's some other really neat artifacts that you could potentially get. Otherworldly Eidolon, strange mm-hmm. icon, resonates with an eerie but tangible power. The Sorrow Mask from the House of Sorrows, you know, so again, some allusions to other areas in the city. Lots of fun stuff. The command traits are all really cool, too. Like, there's one that gives you the Onslaught ability without needing to use any ability dice. One that gives you Rampage ability.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good, yeah, the one, free rampage, if you get five points allocated to you, that's good. I like the um the one that gives you the free onslaught, because it's called Creeping Derangement. Yes. So you're just, like, <laughs> losing it, because uh, you're going crazy in the place.
1: Yeah, there's another one, Guided by Whispers. Something calls to this fighter, whispering in the back of their mind. On occasion, it provides useful, foreknowledge. knowledge. <laughs> yeah, it's all alluding to the, the eerie setting that you're in. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so um you know after you played you know your up uh, each phase and then you get to your convergences before the final convergence you kind of set up again the the winners the, the, uh, the order based on dominated territories and play and the particular winner of the final convergence gets 10 campaign points you know so winning that last convergence is, is uh really key to, to winning the particular overall -hmm. But the way they kind of score the whole campaign is that each area of dominated territory gives you three campaign points. Apparently, the cultic sanctuary gives you bonuses. You get six campaign points for having one of those territories. Each upgraded territory will give you one campaign point. You get two for each cultic sanctuary. You get 10 campaign points for winning your final convergence battle. And also, in the final convergence, there's an ability called Declaration to the Gods where you can potentially, you know, Dedicate yourself, or there are the models you're killing to the chaos gods, and you can get one or more campaign points for each model you kill in that particular part of the the convergence. And so then you kind of tally up all those campaign points, and then again there are tiebreakers based on number of upgraded territories or or unspent glory, and then you determine a winner. And and before I we jump into the winning section and what kind of things are there, uh, I forgot to mention that during the um, convergence games. There's an underdog rule, where if there's an uh, an odd number of players, for example, the person who's in, you know, has the least points overall, the least uh, dominated territories, is considered to have automatically won, and gets all the benefits thereof. So they're, you know, they they kind of describe it as the underdog is is uh, overlooked by the other warbands, and you know, makes delves deeper into the into the city, so you know, without any. uh, resistance so it's kind of fun that way so it's nice that they have some setups for oh we've got an odd number of players how do we handle that okay this is how it works um, there is no underdog rule for the final convergence you have to play a game there and, and if there's an odd number of players whoever's in last just they just count up their campaign points there's no you don't win the scenario or anything like that because it's the final bit of the story and you've you got to play a game or or just you didn't get far enough to have a chance to win it so actually yeah. so
0: yeah the way I, I think i would run this if i was running it is to just have uh i would just bring an extra warband uh just like a basic thousand point one and just play against the um yeah uh, the, the person so, in last so they could play the game and like feel like they're participating. They're, exactly uh, like, exactly not not being able to play like sucks uh you almost always even if you like get the free win
1: right yeah no i'm mean, uh, I, I think you're right because you know They're not going to have a chance to win overall anyway, but you still want to have a fun game. That's what it's about. Yeah, you
0: still want to get to play. Yeah. Like, get to play the fun scenario. Exactly.
1: So, they they do break out. uh, They've got essentially three titles and rewards for the first, second, and third uh, most territory, you know, the campaign points. And then everybody below that gets an artifact. So, no matter what, you get an artifact that's in the city, which is kind of cool. When the first. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, the. the Uh, The person in first gets the title Lord of the Spire because they have conquered the heart of silence and they get the artifact called the Aetherfold Puzzle Cube. It's really cool. And so they kind of you've made your way up to the top of the tower and you find this replica of the city surrounded by scrolls and symbols. And this puzzle cube, it says it's marked with glyphs. Uh, and it says, sitting beside the scrolls is a golden po- puzzle box marked with reptilian glyphs. As you twist and manipulate the cube, sections of the city model itself begin to realign. Perhaps it works outside these walls, too. So you can use this to kind of change the layout of the city, which I thought was really cool. Uh, you know, the, the rules there. I won't go into you know what each artifact does for you in game, but just kind of the narrative lore. The, the second place winner gets is called the Dark Diviner. And then you find a hidden cloister and make your way inside. And it's a 12-sided room. And the artifact is called the Lurid Dordikarite. Upon an altar in the center of the chamber stands a 12-sided crystal that pulses with an inner light. As you grasp it, you feel the air itself writhe with reality warping potential. Very cool. The third person is called the Gilded Knight. And you find the key to the vault. and You get lots and lots of treasure. And fourth and below are called the silent masses. And the artifact you get is called the black shard Chris. It is said that these daggers were once used in an effort to rend the veil of worlds. Imagine what they will do to mere flesh. Yeah. So I think it's nice that everybody gets a unique artifact. And it says in terms of continuing the story, you can either continue to fight in North core campaigns, or you can move on to normal campaign battles and just, you are considered to have played a trial with champions campaign previously. So I think that's nice that they kind of give you different options to make your way through there.
0: Thank yeah, you. hella cool.
1: Yeah, did you have any other thoughts about this, the.
0: Yeah, certainly. Uh, this is what I want to do the most once we can play with lots of people in game stores. Yes. Is yeah, play too. through a Sora Core campaign. I think it's really laid out there. It I think it would be relatively easy to run. Three months is a bit. I, I I don't know. I mean you have more experience with this, but it feels a little long for a campaign to keep that going over twelve weeks. Yeah. Um, but I I think it's paced really well. I think shortening it at all would be tough. Uh, maybe you can shorten it to three weeks around and you just like most people probably wouldn't get to the five dominated territories in a week. Right. Uh right. in a in a in a phase. But yeah, it it's it's got great narrative theme. The rules are very fun and very inclusive. I think there's going to be some people that crush, uh, I, I think any campaign with consequences, that's going to be very possible. Right. Um, especially towards <laughs> the end. I think people are going to be rolling up with like 1500 plus of warbands. bands. Uh, yep. and well, it, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough against, you know, folks that aren't playing as many games, but I think that's still cool. And, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope we can get one going. I think we have enough people in Madison that would want to play. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm just excited to see what happens to Warcry night once we can do war cry night again. Yeah, definitely. And um,
1: the the book also has a a one page area that talks about, you know, for running, you know, tips for running the campaign, you know, and how to uh, how to keep up interest, you know, like doing a newsletter or uh, introducing events to do periodically, you know, either multiplayer events or unique events, like maybe you could you could totally do a pit fighting scenario in the, in the gore pits, right? You know, or maybe One day, you know, during one of those weeks, you're you're fighting in the pits for extra glory. And so that three week, that three month period doesn't feel so long. And, you know, but I I think it's nice that they give uh, players the opportunity to play as many games as they can within, you know, the the three week period, because people have different schedules. Maybe they can't meet up on work right night. And it It gives people extra time to get that five territories that they want. You know, so. Definitely, a uh, I I think they set it up well, and I, I think it's nice that the convergences pair up, you know, the more the larger warbands with each other, mm-hmm. so that you know you're not you're not getting this uneven, lopsided battles as, yeah. as much.
0: Yeah. But during agree. the regular
1: I, weeks, you can play whatever you want: catacombs, regular games, unique events.
0: Yeah, it's like everything I really like about Warcry. It's like lots of strong narrative exploring a uncharted piece of the mortal realms mystery. Uh, Yeah, and just like a lot of fun games to play and have your own emergent narrative happen within that context.
1: Yeah. Reading some of the descriptions of the city and some of the other things, you you can kind of get a general picture of how it's laid out, but some of it doesn't quite make sense. So uh, one thing I would love to see is have Games Workshop put out just a generic illustration of the city, you know, like we had for Mordheim. Just say, oh yeah, here's the city, here's where the rivers are, and then these are the general districts. And then, you know, that way you could put it up, you know, during campaign night and say, okay, here's the city. Everybody's fighting in this part of the city this week, you know, for this next three weeks. And then, you know, maybe the war bands that win a certain convergence say, okay, they got this bridge, you know. So then you add a little bit more visual imagery to the campaign as it goes along. So that would be really cool to see an image of the city just to kind of facilitate that
0: imagination a little bit as we're playing games. I'm curious whether that exists or not, because in the Faded Quest, they have pictures of Sorothcore as a little tiny zoomed-in mat. Right. And I don't know if, like, there's a master image of this that exists somewhere. I do fear, and I want to double-check, that they are reusing images from the Bloodwind Spoils way zoomed in. Like, have we seen (laughs) these before? I don't think so. I don't think these are Karn grad, but they could be. There's also one... There's some of the
1: pits is, on there. There's like one with the gore pits, which I don't think I've seen before. There's a yeah. couple
0: of them have the gore pits. Um, yeah, a couple of them happen underground, and right. uh, those underground ones look super familiar. But it's just squiggles on gray.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I can't I can't tell if the yeah you know, if they're all the same or not. But uh, some of them look different. You know, like the Grand Library, second portal, third portal. That you know that one doesn't look like anything I saw on any current Grand.
0: So maybe yeah, I bet there's something that does exist, and they just they just keep it, it's too secret. It also the <laughs> city moves around on itself, yeah, rearranges exactly. itself, so you can't you can't know. Yeah, and that's where you know it would
1: be nice just to see. Okay, so they say the like the river scourge comes in from the east, and then it splits, goes north and south, and it bisects the eastern half of the city, the poor districts, mm-hmm. you know, from the west. And I like, okay, but they also talk about the river scourge uh, ending in the Delve. And I was like, okay, well, how is it ending in the Delve if it's going north and south? You know, so yeah. some of it I can't quite hit, figure out how it's all
0: laid out. It's, it's a paradox. Right. Um, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe it's like, just not called the River Scourge anymore <laughs> when it split. And it's two, like, uh, child rivers are called the river. Right,
1: right. And, you know, maybe, maybe it pours into the Delve in the center and then goes north and south in different ways. Yeah, that's possible. I should, yeah, Cause, yeah um, who knows?
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, and I just, I think about the terrain I'm painting uh, right now, or they're going to paint next uh, part of the, the stuff I got in catacombs. And I'm like, oh, is this sort of pole? Have I right. It's purple. That's, that's spooky. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah. but Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe <in> the fall. This <laughs> will be our fall campaign. Uh-huh. Season six. Um, yeah. But yeah, I got it. it. Foment Champions is such a good publication. It's got so much good stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about? I don't know. I don't know
1: if I have any more novel thoughts. Okay. Yeah, no, I think uh, one thing that just sprung to mind is uh, that they, they mention, uh, you know, that you can play any any types of Warcry games you want during the three weeks, and then for the convergence game, they, they give you deployment zones and twists and things like that. Uh, but they don't tell you about terrain, so they want you to set up the terrain however you want based on your collections or what part of the city you're in. So I think that's really nice is cause you can again tie the narrative in with the location. It's like, oh, okay, we're we're fighting on this uh, near the river, near the bridge. Maybe we should have a bridge. Maybe we should have a river running through it. Or, you know, so you could really tailor the terrain to to match the scenario a bit more. And that's uh, kind of where I'm going with like trying to build multi level terrain that we could use in some of these Soroth core campaigns and other games to Make it different and unique. It's like, oh yeah, this is a city. There's lots of buildings. You know, it changes the dynamic a little bit more, having more vertical access, perhaps. But uh, also having those enclosed spaces, like in the industrial sector or underground, you know, we're playing catacombs games in this area. You know, that yeah, of stuff. cool. Yeah, no, exciting. And uh, like you said, really looking forward to the day when we can start playing some of these games again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, at All least right. it'll it'll warm up soon, and then it'll be more at least available to play more outdoor games. We can start we can reboot yeah. those. At
1: some point. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe this is a good point to ask you: is uh, if if I got a a heater for the garage, would you feel safe playing in a garage? <laughs> An open garage? <laughs> and oh yeah, we could have the garage door open. We'll have yeah. maybe a space heater.
0: Yeah, that could work. That could work. Okay. I'll, I'll give I'll give it a shot for sure.
1: Okay, all right. I'll take a look into that. Do I don't know.
0: That? I don't know. If we play a game, we can't podcast about it. What's the point? <laughs> no, I'd love to. That would be super fun. <laughs> uh, hey, maybe once your uh, warband's painted, we could we could uh, take it for a test run.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. Get our uh, season finale game in.
0: Yeah, go. oh yeah. Maybe we uh, Yeah. be part of possibly episode 8.5, where we do our final uh, Tale of Warbands update. We can talk about a game you play.
1: Yeah, that's good. All right, I'll
0: look at Space heaters. then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, with that, we'll move on to listener questions. So we got quite a few this week, which is nice. We'll start with a, a few that we've been carrying over for a couple episodes now. We're waiting okay. to do this particular topic. Uh, so PJ Shard, Paul from the Mortal Realms, uh, has two questions for us. And his first question is, is Soroth Core a new blueprint for Warcry campaigns? Do you have any thoughts on that, payfan
0: no, it's it's something different. It's it's certainly the one of the greatness about the basic warcry campaigns or the general ones is that you don't they don't need coordination to do. So you can just play them yourself and go on your own campaign. You don't need to part, be part of a group or part of a team, and you can just go along your campaign tracker and tell your own story. Right. Uh, that's super great. Soroth Core isn't that. It is a centrally organized persistent campaign over x number of weeks um, so it's it's a different something a cool something uh but it's not it can't it's not going to replace that basic campaign structure for most work right yeah
1: i i agree and i think it's a unique kind of uh not really map based area focused uh campaign set in a particular location uh but i do think there's plenty of opportunity to to tweak that sort of campaign idea for different locations and I guess, I guess that ties into a second question do you think we'll be traveling to different cities as time goes on for me i, I hope that they continue to expand the lore and the eight points but it would also be fun you know much like the warhammer quests where they're exploring a city or assuming in the realm of death but we really don't know uh, you know exploring a different location where we can continue to play warcry so you know whether it's a different city maybe it's a dangerous swamp or you know there's all kinds of potential uh, opportunities to explore the lore, I think. What do you think, Pavan?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, everything you said. Uh, explore, <laughs> explore, just explore. I, yeah, explore I don't, the lore. I imagine we, we, yeah, explore the lore. We'll go, to, we'll go to new cities, go to new lands. I don't know if we're going to bust out of, I guess this isn't the question, but I'm, I'm just wanting to just guess and uh, speculate. I don't know if we're going to bust out of the eight points.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not
0: sure either. I think, I think that would be like the most interesting thing we could do next. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the... I don't really have a good sense of what the future holds for Warcraft.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't either. So besides the new models and new new armies coming out. But yeah, in terms of That's locations true. and venues, it'd be interesting to see where they where we're going to go.
0: Yeah. I guess I will say I wouldn't want them just to remake Sorth Core in a new city. Right. I would rather than try something else new and exciting. Like maybe it, we'll get to the end of this campaign whenever we play it, and we'll be like, "Yeah, I want to do the exact same thing again, just in Hammer Hall." Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah. I would rather than like try. Give me give me something else cool to do in a place.
1: Yeah, but well, I think you could definitely. Um, well, actually, I'll, I'll wait and say. Darth Alex has a question, is it easy to adapt the campaign to custom settings? And so I'll continue my comment here. I was thinking, I think it'd be easy to adapt this type of campaign to lots of unique locations. You know, maybe there's, you know, there's uh, lots of floating islands in the AOS, you know, so or maybe this entire campaign takes place above the earth. You know, we're floating in the sky, there's this ruined cities, and you have, you have perhaps rules for Taking a skyship from one island to the next, or you know, as the city as you move around the city a little bit, and so I definitely think you can make a custom terrain using the same campaign elements and, and change your narrative that way and explore different parts of the worlds Should be cool. I, I think he's also talking about perhaps rules. So, sort of. what do you think, Paven?
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think the bones of this campaign is a great structure to work from, like three phases. You capture territory. You all play the same convergence after each phase, and then you total up your territories. Whoever wins, mm-hmm. and you can just switch out all of the territories and the scenarios, and/or the scenarios and/or the artifacts and command traits to be custom to your campaign and what you want to do. And I think like the balance and the bones are still really good. Um, yeah. And then you can like divert from that in any way, in in any direction. Mm-hmm. And do, do your own thing.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think it, I think yeah. it would work well.
0: So yeah, I think it's 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 really it's, it would be pretty simple to switch out. There isn't like here's how you design your own campaign. That would be even simpler. Um, but I think it's just it's the how it's structured and written. It makes it easier to swap things
1: out. Yeah, it would be interesting to see if they have any you know present examples in the future in a white dwarf or something too. In terms of oh, here's a novel setting that we set up for this campaign. You know, kind of group. Okay. Our next series of questions are from Kilpanic. First question is, I'd like a rundown on dangerous and deadly terrain. Are there designated pieces in the battlescapes themselves? And, uh, uh, this is Josh, go general. ahead. <laughs> this, is, this is more of a generic question because uh, I think uh, Kilpanic was a little confused about what counts as deadly and dangerous terrain. But uh, essentially, it's terrain that can cause damage when you cross it. Um, and, and the main rule book or the main box set we have these spiked walls you could you know you could potentially fall on them or cross them and uh, take damage you roll a die and on a one two or three nothing happens on a four or five you take one point of damage on a six you take three points of damage and then the um, mausoleum set introduced these kind of iron fences and, and those also count as dangerous terrain um, and in the Catacombs box set, jumping over the lava counts as dangerous terrain. So uh, those are the only examples of dangerous terrain I think we have currently in Warcry. But um, there are lots of different ways that you can introduce that. Obviously, acid pools. Um, you know, we played our swamp game in the swamp. You know, you could make that dangerous terrain and other things like that. So, yeah.
0: It's Yeah, in, in the basic that's of terrain, it's like anything, if you're going to have your fighter walk over something with spikes on it or climb over something with spikes on it, then you have to take the test. Yep, yep. I think that's it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Not too bad. Yep. And, and again, it, you can easily, you know, oh, this, this game has acid pools, that counts as dangerous terrain, or this, this, uh, you know, this this stuff is on fire, counts as dangerous terrain. So I think it's an easy rule to implement for anything that is unusual or has a hazard. All right. Uh, Kilpanik's second question was: What are some opportunities for using existing pieces like rat holes and carnivorous trees? What are some ideas for homegrown deadly terrain? Well, I guess we talked a little bit about that, but yeah, no, carnivorous trees would be awesome. I have one modeled up actually, so that would be great. Cool. You know, but yeah, again, you could use swamp. Uh, you could acid pools. You could. Uh, I think you could use traps. You know, like in catacombs, there's the twist that introduces traps. But you could you could actually have um on the board and say, OK, there's this uh, column. And if you get too close to it, it it hits you with this deadly gas, you know, or maybe you're in the mines and there's sulfur. You know, so maybe you take damage if you're in the mines for too long in a certain area. I think there are lots of unique ways that you could definitely add uh, dangerous terrain
0: yeah uh yeah and if you want to use rules you could either make it dangerous terrain and that's i think it's good the thing is passive like you have to interact with it in order for it to hurt you like it's barbed wire or uh, something and if it's right. like a carnivorous plant like it's active dangerous terrain then mm-hmm. you can use like the cursed casket rules where right anytime you end uh, an activation within one in- or end an action within one inch of it Mm-hmm. Uh you roll a die six, and then on a one, you take die six damage. yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. so that would be that'd be really good for a you know a demon uh, flower, right whatever, yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> that
1: is. and And I think catacombs introduced a lot of those unique elements as twists, too. you know, so like the monster in the dark, you know maybe you're in a in a cavern system with with goblins and there are squigs running rampant. So if you're by yourself for a certain period of time, you might get attacked by a squig.
0: Have you played the Monster in the Dark one?
1: Yeah, no, you and I, I think, played it, but, but you could... Oh, no, I think I played it with Vint, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there was... If you win the initiative, then you don't have to roll. So I think the rule needs to be tweaked a little bit, that yeah, you have to roll. to roll no matter what, because yeah, otherwise you're like, oh, no, I'm going to win initiative, then I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> so. Our next question is from Gorks poking Finger. Uh, it asks, if I wanted to introduce beginners to Warcry, would you suggest the Soroth Core campaign for them? What do you think, Paven? No. Exactly.
0: <laughs> no, it's like it's the most complex uh, version, and you want to warm them up with just like a regular thousand-point game and then take them through like regular aftermath if they're into it, uh, yeah. like if they're getting into the narrative. Um, and then don't, I wouldn't even do trial of champions unless they're like a, a very experienced gamer who, you know, would like that. Um, cause one of the great things about Warcry that wasn't as good about like Mordheim, which we constantly talk about is that it's very easy to get into and very simple to play. And the rules are crisp and short, um, and the games are fun and like, it's easy to get in a, a narrative game against people that, uh, you know, and you can continue on your quest. And Yeah, I think, yeah, just I would use just basic, basic rules.
1: Yeah, player. I agree with you. I think for a beginner, especially to any sort of skirmish games, a basic narrative, you know, regular campaign would be perfect, you know, because then again, you win or lose, you still advance until you get to convergences. You know, you can still have a lot of fun with the narrative element without having to rely on, uh, like the sword Core, a specific city, specific, you know, place, specific, you know, limited convergences, you know and a lot higher points potentially overall so i think if somebody's played a lot more time in the past and they want to jump right into this okay well maybe you know maybe that's not such a bad way to go if they're familiar with complex rule systems but i think in general starting with the basic narrative campaign with the basic rules and then adding trial champions later jumping into this kind of campaign later is is probably a better way to go
0: I will say that I imagine there is a quite an opportunity for a situation where a core campaign is getting started in a store and that makes other people really interested and want to join, right. uh, Even <laughs> though they're new to this the the game, and I'm like, of course, in that situation, like invite them to play, like yeah. there's no reason like not to. Um, it's not it might not be ideal because it's a little bit more punishing and complex, but like, yeah, there's no reason to exclude anybody for their, their like kind of stuff. Yeah being newer at the system like they certainly it's still games of war right? which is one of the probably the simplest sim- system that uh games have.
1: yeah and then you get to play any type of games you want during that period of time so that you yeah. again you can introduce them gradually in terms of the types of missions and games mm-hmm. even, even though the, the rules are a little bit more complex but okay uh severe so Lawn uh, has several questions for us uh oh, boy. is this is this the first time where we see convergence battles not have an assigned aspirant? And I think in this case we we do have an aspirant well, I guess aspirants are more used for the challenge battles. Uh, so but essentially we have competing forces, you know, just like you do in a convergence battle. You still have competing war bands. So I, I think in that sense it's set up the same way. Do you have any Well he's um,
0: specifically like in, in all other convergence battles, there's somebody on the quest and then somebody right. playing like the enemy and, right. and the person on the quest is the aspirant. Um okay. so right. I think in the, in that uh he's right that there this is the first time coverge's battles are just that, like kind of neutral. Mm-hmm. Um because this is the first time there's a quest happening that is outside of the war band. That's happening on the uh campaign level rather than on the war band
1: mode. Right, right. Everybody's fighting, so, you know, for, against each other. Yeah, so.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Good point. Good point yeah uh, next question is will we see more of these symmetrical convergences in the future and that yeah good question i think for this kind of campaign layout it, it makes sense especially if you're pairing strongest bands to each other you could certainly tweak it a little bit you know like what we were doing for our uh adepticon event where the winner and the loser might have different rewards depending on how the game went you know for that particular so you could do something similar to like that i think where maybe the winner gets something and the loser gets something but you know so the the path continues but but tweaks a little bit depending on what artifact you ended up with or something like that next question what happens if a player misses convergence week do they move forward as if they were the underdog this is a great question because it's not mentioned. Um so obviously, convergence week is probably the most important week, and I think it's nice that they give you you know a period of time. And I think that in any, you know, for example, if we were running the league, we would we would do our best to try and make sure everybody got a game in at least during that period of time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But if they didn't, then I guess we would have to figure out um, how we would handle that. And I don't know right now what that would be because at the beginning of the week, you pair everybody up and those people have to play each other. And I know I've, I've been in lots of map campaigns where sometimes your partner just can't get in a game. You know? So you would definitely have to come up with a rule like, okay, well, if, if you've done your best and the other person can't, they can, they, they count as a forfeit. They've lost their game. Maybe they get this many, you know, they, they played, they get this many glory points. You get this many glory points, but yeah, yeah. we'd have to come up with some sort of rule for it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The short answer is definitely it's up to the campaign. Uh, right. Master. Yeah, um, I think I think if you just like were out of town couldn't make it, um, I think you would. I, w- I would say you'd still roll on the artifact table um, mm. and count that, and you'd move forward in the campaign, of course. Uh, right. But I don't. You wouldn't have access to the dominated territory like the the well intentioned but person without a partner underdog would. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I would, I
0: would say uh, that's that's where I, my thinking would be at, but it's not spelled out in the book.
1: So. Yeah. No. But I think we definitely have to come up with a rule before the campaign started make sure everybody was, was like, okay, this is how it's going to be. Everybody understands how it's going to be. If it handles, they can't make it. Then you move on. Yeah,
0: so. yeah. it would be, be really important to make sure, like, hey, this is Convergence Week. is an important week. You have an assigned partner this week. So let yeah. us know now if you can't make it, and we will reassign somebody for them to play. Right. Because uh, right. you don't want, like, you know, just because one person can't come that two people can't play they aren't able to play their game. Exactly. Yeah, and and that's
1: again, people have schedules that change all the time. You would try to find the most accommodating way to make sure everybody gets their games. Mm And again, and that's one of the disadvantages to this type of system is that you're you know you have to get something in on this convergence week.
0: Yeah, it's it's, you raise the bar way higher on coordination. Um, Yeah,
1: uh, but you uh, you know
0: you get a lot for it, but it does make that that part uh, a point of uh, possible point failure.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Our next question is from Berserker. What are your thoughts on the new Underworld's Crimson Court vampire models revealed, and do you like their new designs? What do you think, David? Have yeah, you seen them? I, yeah,
0: I, I like them a lot. I think they're very cool, very classic Gothic vampire. I think vampire is my favorite of the death factions, or the classical ones.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, I'm into it. I'm hoping to get some of that aesthetic when I've, I've inevitably purchased the Warhammer Quest game, uh, Curse City. Um, unless the rest of the models are real stinkers, which given what we've done <laughs> so far, I don't think that's going to be the case.
1: Yeah, yeah, I uh, don't
0: think so either. Yeah, most of the I don't Warhammer
1: think, Quests have been good, I uh, have to admit.
0: Yeah, I, it's, it, I think it, uh, it gives them like a really great uh, room to play around with new concepts and new cool designs uh, without committing yeah. it. To yeah. yeah. My favorite of the Crimson Court uh underworld war band is definitely actually I don't know, is it, they have their names on here? It's the Enforcer one, the guy with the huge mace. Oh um, yeah, just yeah, got kinda of got it in front of him on the
1: ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks he looks real cool. Yeah, I like the two sword wielding, you know, uh, vampires, very classic Van Karsten type positions in my mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, very cool looking.
0: Yeah, they're
1: all dope. Yeah, Yeah. they're great. I agree. All right, our next question from Countess Anat: Which of the four artifacts of power do you like best? Is it the Aetherfold Puzzle Cube? Anad, the Lament Configuration, which is the cube in the Hellraiser, do you think? Mm -hmm. So I guess it's two questions here. So I think the Puzzle Cube is probably my favorite. I think that one's really cool that it changes the layout of the city. And uh, I do think it's a nod to the puzzle cube that's in the Hellraiser series, but uh, you know it doesn't do the same kind of things. It kind of bends reality, in a sense I guess. But uh, but that's definitely the first place I ever saw a puzzle cube like that. Be. What do you think, Taven?
0: I don't. I don't. I haven't seen
1: Hellraiser. Oh, oh, do you, uh, you know? Did any particular artifact that you?
0: Oh okay, <laughs> Yeah, um out of the four rewards for the campaign, I think the, the Etherfold Puzzle Cube is I think the coolest because it's like you re- you use it to rearrange rea- reality and it allows you to switch your you know your hammer and daggers and shields uh positionally and right. that is a mechanic we haven't seen before. I'm very curious how it would play out. It does give it like it Kind of breaks the game in the way that you would expect the puzzle cube to break reality, so I think that's that one I think I like is, is the
1: coolest. yeah, yeah I mean uh, the the lurid doderite de is is also allows you to, as a bonus action, remove yourself from the battlefield and place them anywhere five inches from all enemy players. So again, it's another teleport option that you know yeah. we haven't really had before, which is really cool tactically too
0: yeah there's a couple there's a couple uh warbands that have special teleport abilities um so we there's been i mean there's a couple you've been i mean you teleporting all over this game uh, well, no, i mean like uh, uh yeah there's, there was, there's, uh, <laughs> what is your war, old warband uh, the cypher lords cypher lords
1: yeah so that's a little different yeah so i mean okay. there's a certain range for that but where this this artifact and, and mm-hmm. another one that's one of the faded quests that we talked about in our last episode uh, or you could just use it, and you can put your model anywhere on the board, you know, as long as it's five inches away from enemy models. So I think that's, you know, so this is the second time we've seen an artifact that can do that. So I think that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Yes, teleportation in general, is, is you know, with the Cypher Lords, is a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's very <laughs> but, good. It's, very, it's yeah. very strong, like, being able yeah. to do
0: that, uh, especially for, like, objective play. Exactly. All right, and our
1: last question is from Chapter. Looking at the way Soroth Core is supposed to be set up, how many players do you think it can support before getting too crazy for the Dungeon Daddy to manage? I know that in the campaign section, it says at least two players, three or more would be better, but yeah, it doesn't have a max. Do you have any feelings or thoughts about that, Pavin?
0: Uh I don't think the it has a ton of overhead. Um, yeah. Like it, I think if you tried to like, keep the data centralized, I think it would be a pain. But if everybody just self reports, like how many territories they have, which is the way I would prefer to run it, just like an honor system rather than like a source of truth, right. I don't think it's too bad and scales pretty well. I think you would run into like game store space uh, if you were going to have like an event night, like everybody, everybody were going to come to our convergences on Thursday, you know, and then if, if that's like 20 people, you need like 10, 10 small tables. Um, yep. But I think yeah, I 20 is like the most, I'd be like, I think 20 is possible. And that feels like a ton of people for a War cry campaign. Yeah. And I, and I yeah. think,
1: uh, as you said, you know, as long as people aren't all coming on the same night, I think you could manage that pretty well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think you're right. The system is set up where, you know, as long as you're filling out the, the roster sheet, you know, with the territories and everything you have, self-reporting. Then, um, you know, it only really matters when you get up to conversions Week that the, the game master has to, okay, now I've got to list everybody, categorize them so that we can pair everybody off. But otherwise, you know, yeah. people can keep track of things most of the way, the first three weeks all by themselves and, um, you know, play as many games as they want. So there's not really a limitation. I think the main thing is figuring out, okay, you know, we got an odd number of players. We know how to handle that. You know, what do you do if people can't play games? Yeah. So... And that you know, like we talked about, we just have to come up with some stuff like that ahead of time. Oh, yeah, I think the yeah twenty would be manageable. You can probably do more, but I, I think in most cases you get a lot of people starting, and then people kind of peter out based on availability or other yeah. things going on. So, so, Well, that's definitely a great way to wrap up this particular episode. Lots of really cool information in this campaign. I love the narrative elements of it. Yeah, so so eager to try it out. Really cool any uh, closing thoughts at all pavin
0: yeah just to wrap this up josh we were wrapping up the episode wrapping up the season uh how yes. did you feel like the season went i think it went great
1: i think it went really well you know i think uh you know we had our break there because we you know <laughs> the pandemic caused uh, quite the delay in war cry stuff but uh I think we had a lot of really interesting news and surprises, a lot of things we didn't expect this season. You know, Getting the warband challenge for the Catacombs box I think was a lot of fun, that we could build the, the two warbands and face off against each other uh, with a whole bunch of rule sets. I've been really enjoying that. I think the tying our narrative story in like that
0: for this particular season was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it too. What That's... can listeners expect next from us?
1: That's a great question, and uh, I, I think, um, you know, uh, Paven and I, I think we're probably going to do a short 8.5 episode to kind of tie up our Circle of Paint challenge in terms of how we feel our warbands are, what they look like, and then we'll submit pictures and we'll get people to vote on, uh, you know, on the, probably the Facebook page, Twitter, and maybe in the Discord as well, just kind of make sure people have an opportunity to see what they, you know, see the models and, and vote if you'd like. In terms of our next season, um, Paven and I said we're going to kind of play that by ear to see when the new Warcry stuff is coming out. We've got lots of new models on the way. As long as we've got content coming, we can keep putting stuff out. But we also want to make sure you all keep interested and engaged and not not drag things out, especially while we can't play games. So so if we can start getting some games going, then we'll definitely have more that we can share with you.
0: Yeah, it's definitely like a... um... Strategy? I don't know if it's that that thoughtful, but to coincide <laughs> the seasons of this show with exciting Warcry stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I imagine the things that in my mind would kick off another season of the Dogs of Warcry was a large new Warcry release, or even a medium one, um, or uh, the resumption of games. Like if we kicked off our of Core campaign, I think we probably want to get by on the mic and talk about it. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah. yeah, I don't. We don't really have a time frame, you know. We're trying to keep it sustainable for us in our lifestyle. But if you want to check us out, if you miss our our voices, we have been known to participate in the Mortal Realms story phase as well. So you might be able to check us out on there. Mm-hmm. As always, uh, well, I'm going to get ahead of myself and plug the Discord, the MortalRealms.com/discord. We are there. We are looking at your pictures. Uh, we are putting some of the pictures ourselves, and. Oh, a couple a couple items I want to talk about before I did not let myself off the hook. Our circle of paint game from last season, from season two. We're still up <laughs> for it. We still want to play it. Uh, you know, it becomes harder and harder to play the colder Madison, Wisconsin with and the more uh, pandemic is out there in the air. Right. Uh, but right. we still want to play that game just for ourselves. But we know we owe you guys a scenario and a... Uh, you know, a conclusion to our yes. old, our circle of paint from season two, which was everybody building their own terrain. Exactly. Um, and we're still hoping to steal Eric uh, away from his uh, real life and get him to play a game of work with us. But who knows when that will be. I'm not committing to a time. All right, right. But when it happens, you will definitely hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> on, on this channel. On this exactly.
1: Channel. Exactly. <laughs> but, but, all right. Well, thank you so much for listening and we'll, uh, Catch you in the next episode.
0: Yeah. Bye.
1: It's time to put a muzzle on this episode. If it was a good, good dog, support the show with a positive review on iTunes, sharing it with friends, joining us for hobby discussions at com forward slash discord, or leave a tip at com forward slash Patreon. More content is available at com and on Twitter at Dogs of Warcry.
0: Of the midwest side We can the solar like, no war cry.